Hello and welcome back to episode 7, a Christmas special so to speak. There's definitely some Christmas action going on at the end of this episode, so I'd stay tuned. Uh, don't want to miss that. Right, before we uh, get into the show, let's meet your starting presenters. Uh, Ryan Slaughter, Birmingham City University, 5 foot 4, 176 pounds, and Santa's little helper. <laughs> Dan Hewitt, 5 foot 10, 203 pounds, the U of life. Uh, Brian Waters, 6 foot 2, currently in Seattle, uh, yet again. Uh, coming home at Friday, so we'll see what the airport, you people think you're going to steal my cars off me. Right then, gentlemen, since the last episode, what have we been up to? Been buying, selling, or uh, bidding on cards? Uh, Dan, what have you been up to? I, I haven't been buying a lot. I've been opening a lot of uh, packs in my advent calendar, kindly provided by yourself. Um, opening loads of retro packs every day, which has been hit and miss. Some of them have been superb, and some of the cards I love the old the old sets. Some of them look gorgeous. Um, I don't I don't know. Has anybody had a hit? I think Steve Poland's had one, hasn't he? I haven't uh, I haven't had one yet, but I'm still clinging to that faint hope that there is one. I've had the cards delivered. The eBay cards that we talked about, the, the stupidly expensive ones, they've finally made the way to me. Uh, other than that, I haven't bought anything. There hasn't been many breaks about, so I'm signed up for all the breaks over the Christmas week. That'll be the next time I really get involved, I think. Ryan, what's been uh, going on in your world? Yes, yeah, so I've been helping out the packs as well. It's been really good fun. Um, like I said, I haven't hit anything, but I've had some... Some pretty nice stuff come out. I got a uh, Michael Strahan, a Super Chrome rookie card. That's pretty sweet. Um, obviously, that'll be on its way to Dan. Pulled a nice Troy Aikman out of uh, SPX. Do love a bit of SPX hollows. They're awesome. Um, uh, Richard Budden, uh, my mate Bubble, he brought some cards back from for me um, from the States. So um, I didn't know about it. So I picked up a nice uh, Steve McNair and Eddie George autos out of that. So uh, I'm very grateful for that. Um, apart from that, a couple of breaks, but again buzzed out so we've got a few breaks coming out this this next over the next 10 days in the group so we've got some christmas breaks and i'm really really hoping that actually hit something because honestly it's I, I was chatting with bubble the other day and it's not been a good year for me in breaking uh <laughs> it really hasn't so after the previous year which was just super awesome um yeah this year's not been great so um that's what i'm praying for for from santa this christmas is to do well in a break yeah, like I said, I'm uh, out in Seattle. Uh, went to San Francisco last weekend. Uh, got what we deserved it. Absolutely nothing, but such is life. Just come here for a couple of days just to uh, pick up some mail. Today is actually uh, Don Russ Optic release day. So after we finish recording this episode, I'll be popping down there and getting a, a box of that. Made a really good deal with a guy uh, from one of the Seahawks Facebook groups. He messaged me, said he wanted to let some high-end cards go. Uh I got a pretty good deal out of it, I think. So the cards that come through, some nice booklets and nice National Treasures booklet. Uh, all Russell Wilson cards. So that's bumped my collection up in, in value, so to speak. Uh, in breaks, I won in the Raz group there. I won a really nice Andrew Luck card. Uh, so that's come through. So thanks to uh, James Feldman for that one. And like Dan as well, I'm in all the Christmas week breaks when they come up. So... So we'll keep posted with that. So that's what we've all been up to since the last episode. Let's jump straight into hobby news. Uh, first thing we're going to go for is the uh, announcement about uh, Panini Select. Ryan, that's uh, your bag, I think. Yeah, definitely. Um, uh, and the people in the hobby are either a prison person or 
or a select person, I'm select. Um, this year's will be released on 20th of February. Um, 300 a card base set um, on three different levels, concourse, premier, field level, plus special zebra, which is one per case. Um, Obviously, it's been a down year because of the draft class that Titans had, considering we are picked defensively. Um, so I'm really looking forward to getting into the action with maybe some XRC. XRC are basically redemption cards, which um, will align to draft class of 2019. And they come in three different um, levels as well. You've got tie-dye number 25, which look absolutely sweet. Gold at 10 and black of one of one. And you are looking, trying to get three of those per case. Yeah, I had a look at the uh, at the release on that and it's, how many packs is it? 12 packs per box, five cards per pack? Yeah, something like that, yeah. So, it's, so basically it's almost well, a little bit more than half the, uh, half the size of Prism. And it's probably going to be even more expensive than Prism, but uh, looks a good set to come out. Yeah, about 175 dollars. One seventy-five. I don't get bad pricing at all. Not bad price. Uh, the second one, the, the Optic checklist has come out with Optic releasing uh, today, uh, which is quite rare because Panini have a habit recently of checklists coming out a week after products are released. And as we were discussing before we started recording this, it seems that every uh, Panini product this year, uh, football especially. The release date, when it gets a couple of weeks, away, seems to get pushed back once, twice, maybe three times. So, uh, Ryan, what's uh, what's <laughs> what have you noticed in the optic checklist, which hasn't made you very happy? Yeah. So the thing that I noticed, guys, was that the, the how bad it is for the Titans. Um, um, they're pretty much you can only chase if you're a Titans fan. Four. That's it. Four autographs. Not not like four different players or four different. No, just four autographs, and that's the Marcus Mariota, nineteen ninety eight. Uh, tribute the fact that they've included um, Dante Burnett and Luke Falk Burnett signed for the Jets in September Falk signed for the Dolphins back in August and how the hell they've managed to get on to the checklist for Titans I do not know so that's very disappointing <laughs> still some good cards in there though and uh, I'll be opening a box of that later on today so let's hope that some uh, some decent ones come out of that uh, third item in hobby news is uh, we touched on this in our last episode with Kareem Hunt uh, being released by the Chiefs after the video emerged of his uh, domestic violence incidents. Dan, what have you uh, been noticing about the prices of Kareem Hunt cards? Yeah, so uh, pretty much as we said when we were talking about him in the last episode, his prices are absolutely plummeting through the floor, unfortunately, for those of you who hold Kareem Hunt cards. Um, his contender's rookie card, rookie ticket, which is seen as the rookie card now that we don't have Topps Chrome anymore, at the beginning of the season when he was playing well, that was regularly fetching $100. It's dropped all the way down to $40 at the minute. I've, I'm expecting it to go back up if he signs for another team. But obviously, this, the same could be said. If he never gets seen again, it could drop even further than that. So we'll just have to wait and see. So would you say this is a time for a little bit of prospecting on Kareem Hunt? Uh, it depends on your opinion if your opinion is he's going to get back in the league and somebody's going to pick him up I, I would say yes because I think I'm not sure they'll get back to the $100 levels but they'll certainly get back above where they are now they'll probably double maybe eight, somewhere in the 60 to 80 range um, so if if you're that way inclined if you think that he is going to get back in the league with another team then yeah I think it's a brilliant time to, to prospect and pick him up <laughs> there we go then gents so right, let's move on to the review section. We have two products. Uh, one that is <laughs> Ryan is is waiting with his with his knife sharpened to dig into. 
First product we're going to review, though, is Playbook. Dan, what details can you give us for Playbook, please? Okay, so a box of Playbooks retailing at $150 at the moment. It released on the 12th of December this year. You're getting four cards per pack, one pack per box, 16 boxes per case, and in each box you can expect four autographs or mem card and a guaranteed booklet card. Okay, dokie. We've seen some uh, quite a few boxes opened uh, on YouTube and, and such like that. What do we uh, think of Playbook, Ryan? Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm really glad that Playbook's back. I think it, it I think Dan said in the last show, it is kind of like a staple. It was a bit missing last year. Um, really, you know, one of the things that came up again on the issues that I talked about in the last show about diversification of different types of cards, and we've got them um, in in Playbook because you can get the coaches' quotes cards, and I really like them, the autos. Um, it, it is hit and miss. It can be hit and miss, but I think it's really nice to have it back. I've um, seen some. Some nice cards come out, you know, the auto patch booklets are really nice. Um, so, yeah, I think it's a really good breaking product. Um, um, I'm not like, you know, the highest and biggest playbook fan, but but I think it has a place in, in the market. So I'm really glad it's back. Dan, what do you uh, think of playbook? I'm a fan. I'm a fan of what I've seen so far. I mean, the uh, the trifold playbook is, is the only way i can describe it but it's it, rather than it being a playbook it's got sort of it's got it's three you fold it out into three some of them are absolutely stunning stunning cards to look at i've i saw a uh, barkley one of one get broken i think the one of ones in the playbook always look really nice yeah so i'm a i'm a, I'm a big fan yeah i've seen a couple of those trifolds come out but i think the the odds of hitting them are are not great to put it mildly so yeah i've seen quite a few i was in quite a few breaks uh picked up the seahawks with, with some breaks and stuff uh didn't hit any booklet cards but the booklet cards aren't really going that expensive on on ebay at the moment so yes yeah, some, some really good cards in there um playbook yeah different staple one to look out for slightly overpriced in in my opinion for, for what comes out of them that it's either hit or miss. You can get one box all open. You've got about twenty dollars worth of cards in there. So it's that's that from that point of view for me anyway. So that's I not think that comes back to the color. the other cards in there, doesn't it? As well as the booklet, if you like. If you get in a if you get in a low end booklet, the other cards don't really make up for it, do they? Yeah, exactly. And you, you can pull out like a non auto booklet of just some no name, which is uh, like a napkin patch, and there's no autograph on there. And it's like, well. Yeah, that's, that's that's an eight dollar card, mate. So it's yeah, you know. But that luck of the draw, I suppose, isn't it? That's where we said before. You either you go into breaks hoping to hit something, or you can hang back, wait a couple of weeks for the secondary market to die down a little bit, and then then swoop and pick up cards for your PC. Second product is one we've been eagerly anticipating. Ryan is waiting on the edge of his seat for this one. Uh, Obsidian Football, a brand new release from Panini. Dan, what are the details on this uh, horrendous product, please? <laughs> so it's the uh, it retails in for the same price as uh, Playbook, $150. Released on the 5th of December this year. You're getting seven cards per pack, one pack per box, 12 boxes per case, four autographs or mem cards in the box, one base card, and two cards that they describe as electric etch parallels. Okay, so... Uh... There's only one man that should restart with a review of this. Uh, me and Dan are going to go make a cup of tea and let Ryan have his rant for 20 minutes. <laughs> Ryan, away you go. 
Look, um, yeah, I, I've said a lot already about Obsidian, and it, let's put it out there. I do not like this product. I think it's absolutely disgusting. Um, I, I don't understand why, where Panini are going with this kind of thing. I don't know what market they're marketing to. I looked at the prices on eBay. You can pick up any old card, bit of tap for pretty cheap. So it's clearly not a huge amount in the market um, that people are going after, um, apart from the big names. Um, but one of the things that actually disappoint me, boys, because, okay, I don't like the product, but I, I, was, I was willing to give it a go. Let, you know, see some of the boxes. I was really disappointed what came out of the boxes. There were some absolute crap players, like players that I had never heard of. Um, the other thing was is that a lot of the cars came out really dull. So in the, the sort of preview stuff, they tried to, the, it was quite clear that they were basically only showing you like the refractors, which, you know, look all right in terms of what, but the, the other cards are just dull. They're really dull. They, they look horrible. They're dull. They're horrible. The refractors had that, the refractors had that shimmer i don't like the design but at least there was something to it it could grab you but a lot of the cards in there are just dull the design is just absolutely shockingly crap um it looks like somebody honestly that a blind person's designed and then they just put some shimmer on the top and try to chromify it with black i mean i don't like obsidian um you know each their own you know i know there's some people out there who love them um and like i said i'm sure panini when they're drawing up plan thought well 99 percent of people are going to buy it's going to be stupid so happy days but it's not for me thanks dan what's your view on uh, obsidian um i probably had a bit of a mad moment and I, I saw one on the press release and thought i quite like that it was um the Saquon Barkley one of one and then I watched the break of it and I saw the parallel come out and, and that's only numbered to five and that is absolutely horrendous and I think the, the, like the one of one design I, I did I did really take to and I, and I quite liked it but every other card in there is just horrible so you're not going to buy a box of cards just taking the chance that you're going to pull a one of one because it's highly unlikely yeah not for me no I think I'd echo the, the thoughts of the Guys, here before it even was released, we all said the design is not great. It's very garish. It's very, it's very. I think Ryan labelled it 1980s nightclub uh, previously, and it's definitely is that 80s nightclub meets an 80s defender game from an arcade on Southend Pier. Uh, having said that, as the boys know, I do have two uh, cards in front of me right now. In fact, I've got one in my hand now: Obsidian cards, Seals cards. But that's simply because I'm a collector, and even though I don't like the card, uh, it's Will Disley, the Seahawks, uh, tight end from Huskies. Uh, I need it in my set to, to complete, because this is only the second product this guy's in. So cheap cards, though, only cost me like uh, $6 or something. So it's it's in the set, but it's not something that I'd be spending more than 8 or $10 on a card at all, just for my PC. It's seven cards of that for 150 bucks no not for us so i think we're all very much of the same opinion on on obsidian so yeah each to our own so that's our reviews done a uh, couple of things to mention about previews coming out there's three products coming up in the next few weeks we've got donruss optic which releases uh today which is uh, the 19th of december uh leaf best of football when, when is that due out dan are we aware of that one we no, they haven't actually announced an official release date for it. It still just says December. It says December, and it's available pre-sale on uh, on DNA and Blowout. But yeah, exactly, it's one they'll probably drop at the last minute. And Contenders, which has been pushed back from the 26th of December to the 28th, uh, now it's shown as listing for the 1st of January release. So that's 
something to look forward to for guys that like the rookie card chase and that. Which of those three products uh, would your choice be, Ryan? Uh, oh, that's a really good good question. I think Optic. I think I'd, I'd, I'd definitely go for Optic. I think I'd want to break a lot of it <laughs> to try and get some at decent, but I think I'd go for Optic. Dan, which of those three floats your boat the most? Uh, different one for me would be Leaf Best of Football. Um, it's probably more of a breakers product, you, you, you know. Unless you've uh, unless you've got big bucks, you're probably not going to buy a box. But there's some of the stuff that that comes out of that is absolutely brilliant, and it it's, it amazes me in every break we enter, and quite often it makes the breaks that we enter. Without that product, it wouldn't be wouldn't be off the break it was. So yeah, I'd go for that one. Well, and just to completely split us uh, into into three. Uh, I'm a contenders man, so that'd be the one my choice when it eventually makes its way out. Uh, I've got a couple of boxes here of the blaster boxes. We're waiting for me when I got here to Seattle a couple of days ago. I've opened a couple last night. Uh, the base stock, it's not not too bad. Uh, very keen on seeing the actual hits, so to speak, the autos and the uh, the rookie of the year tickets and other bits and pieces when they come out. It's in the couple of boxes I've opened so far. I've not seen any autographs, and as I said to the guys before we started recording this, that the blaster boxes, there is chances of autographs in there. There, I think one in about every 16 boxes or something, you're supposed to get an autograph. But these blaster boxes came out a week ago now. So they've been in circulation. You can get them in uh, online. You can get them in Target, Walmart, and other bits and pieces like that. But scouring eBay the last couple of days, I've not seen one contender's autograph for any team on there. So something seems a little bit afoot there, but... Onwards and upwards, we'll see when the actual uh, main hobby product comes out on the 1st of January. Right, let's move on to our mass debate for the Christmas special. Our debate subject today is uh, loosely termed one of ones. Uh, Dan, you can lead this one, please, mate. Away you go. Right, well, there. As you guys know, and probably most of the listeners to this know, I'm a I'm a one of one collector and a and a big fan. Um, for me, when I first got into cards, the thing that got me into collecting in the first place, I didn't know anything about them, um, and I found one on eBay that I, I thought was amazing, and it was only numbered out of seventy five, um, and that kind of struck a chord with me. If you like that, you can you can own cards that there's only a certain number of copies of, and then when I got into it finding out that there was one of ones that was like that's the pinnacle really i've got you know there's a collection of cards sitting in there and i'm sure we've all got some one of ones in our collection um but you're sitting in there with a the collection of cards that literally nobody else in the world has that's for me that's that's special i mean as we've talked about each their own with with everything in the hobby you can you know you can go in at whatever price point you want you can collect whatever you like the look of whatever you don't like the look of um but for me, yeah, the one of ones are fantastic. I love them. Ryan, are you a fan? Well, I mean, I respect that Dan is a big collector of one of ones, and there's loads of people out there who are. Um, I, I respect, and and one of ones can be in their pure its form can be really nice and very very desirable. I don't have a one of one in my collection. I'll be absolutely honest. Um, I, I gave the three, I think, over the last couple of years to Dan, so I, I've ever had so a couple of plates and and the D-Rob. Um, but I do have a real issue with with some one-on-ones, right? Um, I think in standard one-on-one, 
not a problem with it at all. I think it's a fine pursuit to have in a hobby. But there's some things that really, really do get on my tits about one-on-one cards. Um, so I, 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 you know, there's a few things. So I get I get it off my chest. Laundry tax. What the hell is that about? What the hell is a? I mean, since when did a laundry tag become a nice thing to put into a card? A nice thing to put in a card, a collectible thing to call. I don't get it. I don't get that you put a laundry tag in it and call it a one-on-one. I just don't get it. Um, I got into collecting because I like the look of cards, and I think that laundry tag cards are fucking ugly, and they seem to always make them. Every single one seems to be a one-on-one. Um, why the hell you'd want the instructions to, to wash your jersey at 40 degrees and don't tumble dry, which everybody should know already, um, or that it was made in Honduras, uh, and call it a really nice card. I, I just don't get that. Second one, buybacks. And I, you know, this is really where the debate started between me and Dan anyway on this one. But I cannot stand the fact that people do buybacks, get a Sharpie out, and get a three-year-old child to write one-on-one on it. Um, and the classic case was it being Pinini Honours. I, I didn't think Pinini Honours was a very good product at all anyway. And the classic case comes back to that we did hit a Pinini Honours. It was Boyd, Tajay Boyd or whatever it was, last season. The fact is that the card in reality is number to 299. There are far nicer cards in the whole collection. The fact that this was a spare card that Panini then could re-release with a three-year-old putting one-on-one on and suddenly it's a one-on-one. I'm sorry, that card is not a one-on-one. And somebody putting a Sharpie one-on-one on it is not going to convince me of that. That original card was out of 299. And I've looked at a lot of those cards. There was a lot nicer cards, cleaner autos, really, really nice patches that look better than what is supposedly a one-on-one card. I have a massive issue with the buybacks issue with somebody just writes on it now there are some products where they write they do write one-on-one which are lovely um i saw the barry sanders i think it was leaf pearl collection where he actually put a video of him um not just he was signing the card and then putting one-on-one himself on that's pretty cool but but i do have an issue with the buyback of people just sticking one-on-one on a buyback card i'm sorry it's not one-on-one there are plenty of other cards out there and most of the cards that were non-circulated at the time so the spare cards they were really plain. They had napkins for 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 jersey, so I don't like that. Stickers. The proliferation of putting stickers on one-on-one cards. Um, I mean, we know it a lot in the middle range. You know, people like Spectra and all that kind of stuff. They put. I mean, I think uh, my my viewpoint is like I said, is it's not like I dislike one-on-ones. I just think they should be a special thing. I think it should be a real special thing, and I think the hobby and the producers should treat it as a special thing and not just whack out all this shit and just basically say well, we'll put a sticker on it and it's a slightly different color so we'll call it a one-on-one which leads me on to the thing that i don't really want to upset dan about but one thing that actually <laughs> did, did actually kind of it, it did it does irk me a little bit was is 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 the the evans obj cards right how the hell can it be three one-on-ones how can it be three one-on-ones? It's, it's, it's either a one-on-one or it isn't just because one's red and one's orange and one's green it should just be one, one of one. And I know that that's very specific to Spectra and particularly to those more parallel type based kind of products. But a one of one is a freaking one of one. If you've got a patch, um, a dual patch card, there is should only be one one of one. There shouldn't be, oh, there's a green one of one version. There's a pink one of one version. There's an orange one of one version. There's a black one. No, it should just be one on one. And that really, really does my head in. And it comes back to this game with the, with the buyback thing. Is it really a one-on-one? Because if there's another card that is in that same series that they're calling a one-on-one, then surely the original one isn't a one-on-one. But 
like I said, I've got a problem with people collecting one-on-ones. I do like it myself. I just have some issues. But it does seem that in the last year especially the amount of one-on-ones coming out of sets has has increased i think even in mac <clears throat> excuse me even in mac like this year though they had as a selling point that they double the amount of one-on-ones in a product so it's you're thinning out the a one-on-one market which which should be impossible to do now there's another little section here that in the one-on-one debate which we'll, we'll touch on only briefly though in your opinion ryan is a printing plate a genuine one-on-one um, it, I suppose it is, you know, it, it, I think the printing plate thing is slightly different for me. I, I would probably sort of separate printing plates out a little bit um, because it's not for me. I, I had a few printing plates and it, it, it didn't really do anything for me, but that's just my own personal opinion. I, I can understand why people would collect them because they are collectible. I, I get what Dan was saying on the last show, particularly about plates and patches. I think it's always been a good product. Um, to break but I understand what he means about flooding the market with printing plates I think the only thing that kind of annoys me is like it's a printing plate so why bother putting a bit of jersey in it and trying to make it a real card that's the only thing that I don't get maybe and and why why the hell put a sticker or on a printing plate I mean that's just like the worst thing in the world that's one of the worst things that that does get get my back up like why put a sticker on a printing plate come on just put the printing plate it's already a one-on-one um hard sign it okay i could see that and that that being very collectible and i've seen the ones that are hard signed and they're nice but putting jerseys in them putting stickers on them that's not for me dan how many uh how many printing plate one-on-ones are in your collection because you're you're our one-of-one expert um 70 something don't know off the top of my head because I pick them up all the time. <laughs> I want to come back to, to Ryan's points because some of them I agree with and some of them I don't agree with. So I'll start with the ones that I, that I do agree with. Um, I do agree with the fact that the Mevins and the OBJ one that I'm, that I'm trying to complete the rainbow of and there's three one of ones. I completely agree. It's like absurd. There should just be one. However, as you as you touched on, Brian, that's something that Panini are doing. That's the route Panini are going down. Like you say, they, they're trying to they're trying to flood the market. And you're right, they are making it sort of less special to get one, if you like. Um, they, they are supposed to be a, a special thing, as I said. For me, I've, you've got the only one. You've got the only one in the in the world, and that's how that's how it should be. Um, sticker autos. Again, I, I agree with that. I don't know why they're putting sticker autos on one of ones. They should all, for me, they should all be hard signed. It'd make them much more special. But I've got plenty of them that have got that have got sticker autos on. Unfortunately, um, again though, it's kind of it is what it is. I, I heard a great saying from Steve Poland in the week where he said, "You can't choose your family. It's what you're stuck with." And unfortunately, that's us with with Panini isn't it? Um, we don't have a lot of choice in what in terms of what they do so you just have to kind of deal with it or or, or don't bother with it at all um, the buybacks I is one that I disagree with so I have at least one buyback one of one and it was what started the debate and I think I, I think I showed you a picture so I've got a Michael Thomas um, buyback one of one now you're right the card I think is numbered to 99 in general um however the original card was never signed 
So getting Michael Thomas to hard sign the card and put one of one on the card, then that surely makes it a one of one. It's the only one that he's bothered to hold and sign, whereas the other 98 are just sitting there with with no ink on them. Um, they're also sort of stamped to prove that, although certainly the one I've got is. I'm um, not 100% that they all are, but I, I would assume so. So they're stamped to, to show that they're a buyback product and, and then whatever they've done to them has made them a one of one. Um, printing plates, I would say yes, they are a one of one for me. If you look, if you collect the full set and you look at all four, they're all different because they're the four different colours. They've only got part of the picture on that's needed for that colour, which leads to some absolutely superbly ugly-looking printing plates that have only got a little bit of writing on or something because that's the only bit that needs that particular colour. Um, yeah, so for me, printing plates are a one of one. Um, I think that was I think that was all your points once it round. Did I, yeah. have I missed one? No, 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 no. <laughs> like I said, you know, like I said, I think you know, I, I was actually looking at some one on ones earlier, and you think, oh my god, I wish I had a Chrome Super Refractor one on one. Do you know what I mean? That would like be like a Zen one on one for me. I'd love to have one of those, but I just think that I think I think the market, and it's not just Panini. I think it started actually way way earlier than the exclusivity, but just a cheapening of the market to to make. I suppose more chase in a product and I think that's I think it's a, a real good discussion for us to come back to next year um, in general about about creating more chase in products because I don't think it's the right way to go because I think it does devalue those those one-on-one special cards and particularly for those people that that want to collect those one-on-ones but no exactly I'm I'm very much on the fence. I don't go one side or the other on, on this one. I've got a few one-on-ones in my collection, and I do like it when when I hit one. I've I've not bought one. I, I won't go chasing one-on-ones other than doing a rainbow, obviously, which was, uh, <laughs> as you know, I started the wrong end and finished it with a one-on-one, which is very expensive, as Dan is now finding out as well. But it does somehow uh, rub me up the, one way, the wrong way this year when – Panini's selling point is we've doubled the amount of one ones in a product so it's not special when release day comes and we all go on YouTube a couple of days later and watch a product being being broken we watch Mojo and uh, Dan will sit there glued and watch every word that Brad says on Leighton's during a break <laughs> <laughs> um, we watch products coming out and every single break that seems to be on every case that's been on everyone's got a one-on-one and they're flashing up oh it's a boom it's a boom it's like well it, it shouldn't be like that i don't want to see a one-on-one in every single case i want to see one i want to see it it's got to be rarer than that it's got to be i don't want 80 or 90 one of ones in in a product i want 15 or 20 tops you know what i mean it's like too many of them you are thinning the market out and you are cheating a one of one but Anyway, any further points on the one-on-ones before we close this particular section, gents? I would just say you're always going to get more than 50 one-of-ones in a product because even the base set has parallels and will tend to have parallels down to one-of-one. So if you've got a 300-card base set, you've got you've got 300 one-of-ones there. So whilst I agree that they shouldn't be doubling the amount of one-of-ones, it's more the way they're doubling the one-of-ones by releasing like I've got the issue. So they're releasing the Nike swoosh one of one, they're releasing an NFL shield one of one, they're releasing a um, laundry tag 
one of one. Um, the thing that's not me with this with this Spectra Rainbow is they're actually the same colour as the to five, so they haven't even like given them a different colour if you like. They've just got the only thing that's different is the is the what the swatch that's in the that, that's in the card itself. Um, it's not yeah, it's not the number. It's more it, it's more the, the the way they're going about adding adding extras in. If you know what I mean. Uh, if every yeah. if every card in the set just had one one of one, then that'd be that'd be fine. That you know the number of cards in the set's going to dictate how many one of ones there is out there in the cases. But yeah, it's a tough one. Any closing thoughts, Ryan? No, no, talk that like I said, you know, um, I think one one chasing is is a great thing. It's a great part of the hobby. I just have some some of these issues with, like I said, the expansion of some of these silly products. Excellent stuff. So there we go, guys. If you've got any opinions on one of one cards, like them or hate them or on the fence, uh, feel free to get in touch with us. You should know our addresses by now. We're on Twitter at Waxpat Lyrical or it's Waxpat Lyrical at gmail.com. Guess the end of your time now. Uh, last week we uh, recorded a really great uh, chat with Drew Herndon. He's from uh, another podcast. It's the Let Me Get That Podograph show. Uh, I think they're 53 episodes strong now. Uh, very entertaining. We're all big fans of it here. Uh, the guy came on and speaks really, really well. Obviously loves the hobby. Give it a listen, guys, and uh, definitely check out their podcast because it's, it's one you shouldn't really be missing. Welcome to a guest interview time here on Wax Pat Lyrical. We're joined by uh, Drew Herndon. Uh, from Let Me Get That Podograph, uh, extremely good show if you guys haven't listened before. Drew, thanks for uh, joining us and giving us some of your time. Uh, what can you tell us about your podcast and how it started? Um, all right, well, first, thanks for having me on, guys. I uh, love the show, love what you guys are doing. Uh, it's nice to have a show from uh, the other side of the uh, the pond, so to speak, now in the hobby. But, um, yeah, Let Me Get That Podograph um, – you know, we started about a year ago. I've been in the sports, the sports journalism business for a little over a decade now from various, various different things. And, you know, I, like most people, was a collector as a kid, took some time off in college when, you know, other stuff was more important, like women and booze and everything. <laughs> then, you know, got back into it, got back into it a few years ago. And, you know, just like pretty much anything I do, I dive headfirst into it. And, um, you know, had been wanting to, I kind of saw the podcast market and in general and just whether it be sports, true crime, whatever it is, I saw it exploding. And, you know, I was always into the broadcast area, did uh, some college radio and stuff like that. And um, just looked around and uh, had a couple of friends like Eric Norton at Fat Packs who were doing some shows and just thought that uh, I'd start a show and um, ended up looking for a co-host and met my co-host Stu who just so happened to live about 30 minutes from me and so uh, that worked out perfect and um, we just kind of started from there just, uh, just wanting to talk about the hobby. I think the hobby nowadays is something that you know back in the day it was uh, a couple card shows you'd go to your LCS and that's about it but um, the with the internet and just with how the hobby has changed so much in the last 20 years or so, there's so much to talk about and so much entertaining, you know, stuff going on that I just thought it was something that needed to be done. And, uh, you know, we're 52 episodes in now, 53 will be coming out next week and, uh, it's going strong. That's cool. You've had loads of, uh, really high caliber guests 
guests on there. How'd you go about getting the guys on there? Have you got contacts from going back through your time in sports journalism? Um, well, you know, a lot of that was uh, persistence <laughs> on my end. Um, I, I had a couple of contacts. A, a friend of mine, Chris Gilmore, runs Freedom Cardboard. Um, and so I had a couple of uh, connections in the hobby, but not not really too, too many. It was just a whole lot of reaching out and a whole lot of, uh, you know, meeting people, getting those first couple on. And, you know, it kind of just snowballed from there. And, you know, we that's one thing I've been so honored and blessed to have so many wonderful guests from Tracy Hackler at Panini to Susie from Susie at Tops to, um, I mean, you name it, Steve Grad, a good friend of, who's become a great friend of mine. Um, and we're actually starting a new show together here in January. Uh, you know, you, we've been really blessed to have a lot of guests on, but yeah, it re- really just came a lot for me persistently asking them if they'd come on. And, you know, once they started to come, it seemed, seemed like it just snowballed from there. Cool that's awesome um uh, drew you know um we'd also like to give a massive shout out to Stu as well and um in his recovery uh it'd be great to see him back on the on the podcast um we miss him and hope he comes back soon and certainly from from us in the uk family we give him all our uh, our love and prayers you know to get better i greatly appreciate that guys Stu is uh <laughs> there there's not many people in my life that i can say i've met that's a better human and a better person than Stu and you know he's going through a really tough time right now but um all things considered everything's going pretty good and um hopefully he will be back on the show here sometime soon but uh, I really appreciate that guys now that'd be absolutely awesome uh Drew I mean obviously we're we're a UK podcast we, we have a UK community here collectors here and um, what do you guys know about or what you think about the growth of the hobby outside of the United States well that's something that I actually, uh, we focus a lot on our show about the international market because that's something that I'm somebody that I just, I love to read and I love to study anything that I have a passion for. And so I study the hobby religiously. And one thing that has really, really grown in the last couple of years has been the international market. And it started to have a massive effect on, you know, card values, prices. I mean, the international market, especially the Chinese market, for example, they're pretty much responsible for silver prisms in basketball being worth anything. And so the impact that the international market is having is absolutely tremendous the uk market itself i'm not too familiar with um in terms of what you guys you know gravitate towards collecting what are some of the sports that you guys uh you know find yourself at least the hobby community there collecting the most um i don't know i I think it goes back to and i think some of us uh all three of us actually collected when we were kids like soccer so, because obviously soccer's massive over here, um, I think that the you know all three of us actually got into the game um, when it started to sort of get over here. We've been fans of the game for so long. So, NFL's NFL's probably our predominant community. So, so that's where we collect. Um, there is a big market of basketball, certainly of basketball, and there's a lot of collectors of baseball. Um, but I think in our sphere, I think you know NFL is 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 king because NFL is such a massive growing market for fans. You know, fourteen million NFL fans in the UK. Absolutely, and and they're doing a great job of really pushing their uh, their brand, the NFL brand, over in the UK. You've had you've got the uh, international games, or they, they call them the London series now, which there's four games next year. Uh, there's been three games this year, and obviously there's been talk for a couple of years now of the Jags coming over here permanently. 
but all all the games, no matter who the who the opposition is, they all sell out within an hour of going on sale. They're completely sold out. So there is a huge market over here for the NFL. And there's, I don't. Know, I think Dan wants to lead on with a question from that, don't you? Um, I just I touch on what we were just saying. I, I think that for for me, football is is the biggest collected um, in the UK. But I think it's fairly closely followed by baseball. And obviously, we've got the Yankees Red Sox next year, which sold out in a pretty similar time frame to what the NFL does. So there's a, there's a fair chance that that's going to have that's going to have more of a more of a blow up um, if if they continue to do that. Obviously, it seems to have been a success with ticket sales and stuff. So um, if that continues to grow over here, then I'd expect the the baseball scene to carry on growing as well. Um, moving on to the to the question I've got um, for you, Drew, and I echo what what brian said at the beginning thank you very much for joining us it's a it's an honor to have to have you on the show um how do you think we can go about building a, a better partnership between sort of the uk market and and the us you know that that's a really that's a it's a really good question and you know i think there's i think it, there's multiple levels to that and i think the biggest i think the biggest thing is going to be the advancement and the integration of social media um, in the hobby, which we've seen, you know, tremendously take off in the last couple of years. I think that and honestly what we're doing right now, podcasts and entertainment, I think those are what's going to help a ton really bridge that gap of, uh, you know, collectors, because there are a lot of people, I'm sure, in the UK and I know over here that, I mean, they really think that the hobby is based around the United States and that's it. You know, that, that the international market means nothing and stuff like that. But as I was saying earlier, I mean, it, it, it's we're all members of the hobby. You know, the hobby is it's growing into this wonderful worldwide thing now. And the Internet and social media has had a lot to do with that. And I think that I think as those continue to grow more, I think I think it's almost going to naturally intertwine some. I think that now I do think the postal service and a couple of people could make it a little bit easier and maybe a little more affordable for us to uh, get our cards to one another <laughs> as that that can be um, quite a bit of a hassle. But I really think um, the the continuation of integrating everything through social media and building those communities together is probably you know, I mean, that really is what it's for is to bring the world together. And I think that uh, I think that's really what's going to bring these markets together. Yeah, I think I'll just jump in on that quickly and say that uh, there are a couple of companies that guys in the UK use that will uh, people now have access to use uh, your the USA version of eBay, whereas a lot of sellers on there so they only ship to the States. So you can't even access it from sort of like the UK version. But now there's a couple of companies that guys are buying stuff from ebay in the states uh sending it to these companies and then they'll ship them over when when required over here which makes it a lot easier for us because even guys that do uh say they post to the uk you're talking about 15 20 for for one card at times which is just not a way your people are going to collect so and likewise there's there's other ways and means as well i'm i'm lucky enough that i go over to the states six seven times a season and watch watch the seahawks play so uh i'm over in san francisco this weekend so hopefully watch us clinch a playoff berth which was not looking good at the start of the season after our own two start but that's that's for for, for another discussion so if we just <laughs> move on towards sorry go on, Drew. 
No, I was about to say my Panthers helped you guys quite a bit with that. But, uh... <laughs> yeah, yeah it, it was very pleasant of, uh, of you guys to miss the field goal late on and let us just stride down the field and let Seabass just <laughs> do his business. So <laughs> It's always good games against the Panthers. They're always very close, and most of the time we, we've seen to come out on top for some reason. But so <laughs> If we just move towards the, the, the product side of thing, uh, we've discussed near enough most episodes but we discuss new releases and, and upcoming releases and stuff like that and we've had quite a heated debate where we all come down the same side do you think that with the exclusive license that will panini are really concentrating on products for more for breaking rather than for collecting um you know i do no first of all let me preface by saying this absolutely 100 percent. i think all companies now are making products that are specifically made for breaking 100%. I mean, when you've got boxes that are well over a grand for five to six cards, I mean, it, it it's not meant for you, me, and, you know, a couple buddies to just go buy boxes every Saturday. So they're definitely making products for breaking. Absolutely. But, you know, I don't think that the two necessarily have to be one or the other because i and i mean i think true collectors are always going to collect no matter no matter how the products are made no matter how the box format is no matter how they have to access those cards i think the true collectors are always gonna they're gonna find a way to collect i know myself uh, i can't afford a box of you know flawless for example but you better believe i've got those panther flawless cards in my collection you know I'll, I'll find a way to get them but yeah i do think that um i don't know if it's the exclusive licensing that's uh maybe forcing them to do this i think it's more of just where we're where the hobby is going nowadays and you know i don't know if breaking i think we're going to start to see a lot of changes in how breaking is done um as you're starting to see a lot of problems at least stateside with allocations and stuff like that um i think you're going to see a lot more structure and um breaking here in the future as opposed to how it's, you know, kind of just like the Wild West right now in terms of every Tom, Dick, and Harry can be a breaker if they want to with a cell phone camera. I think you're going to start to, you know, kind of see that change some. But with the products, um, you know, yeah, they're absolutely being made for breaking. Um, but the exclusive agreements, I don't know if that's necessarily what's causing it, although I am not a fan of exclusive agreements. I don't want it like it was in the 80s and 90s when there's 50 companies that do it, but I would like two or three <laughs> just so we'd have maybe a little bit of competition because I'm just somebody that, you know, I always think that if, if, if a company knows they've got someone else making the same stuff normally makes them up their game. So in terms of the exclusives, you know, I'd love for that to change, but um, yeah, they're Panini is definitely making products 100% for breaking these days. I just think that collectors, they're, they're going to find a way to collect no matter what. I think that kind of follows on to about what you were saying in one of the last episodes um, around about the first off the line products that, you know, yes. basically unless you have access to the market, so unless you're like a large distributor or a large breaker, and you'd have to be a pretty large breaker, I think, to have the coin, um, it's not necessarily giving access to, to people. I mean, if you we had this conversation on our last one about if you were chasing a rainbow, for example, and part of that rainbow was in the first off the line, it's like, good luck, you know what I mean? <laughs> because, because there's so many limited people have bought all of it already. Absolutely. 
Absolutely. And that's that's one of the most frustrating things, at least for me in the hobby right now is. And like I said, it's kind of because we're we're in, we're kind of in that middle where the hobby's changing so much and it's moving to so many different things that a lot of, you know, a lot of the, the small details and the fine tuning hasn't really been done yet. And that's what I think we're going to start to see, hopefully, in the next couple of years as, you know, as I said on our last show, the, the card companies are great at listening to people and taking feedback and changing. But I think that, you know, there's a lot of stuff that needs to be changed. And first off the line, you just mentioned it, uh, like I was talking about on our show. That's a program that drives me nuts. I love it. <laughs> I think it's a great idea. But for my, but my God, can, can we put some kind of cap besides 14 boxes? I mean, I can't. I just I'm not a fan of going to the secondary market and seeing products jacked yeah. up three. 100% because you were able to be on the internet at 11 o'clock and someone else couldn't be on there till 1102. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, it's a frustrating thing for me in the hobby these days. Yeah, no, definitely, definitely. And and we've had that debate. We had it on the last show about uh, Immaculate and what was in there and whether the secondary market is just ridiculous on that particular product. Um, Drew, uh, it took, thinking about this season, um, uh, we, we talk a little bit about prospecting or the, the nightmare that is NFL prospecting, let's be honest about it. Um, <laughs> Um, um, why would you? Um, but um, in your view, who do you think is the biggest bust and the biggest boom of the season so far from a hobby perspective? Obviously, we've got some pretty, pretty big products coming up um, very soon, you know, optic contenders, and then we'll get into the big boy high-end stuff probably later in the season. But who do you think are the, are the biggest busts in the hobby and, 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 and booms in the hobby this year so far? Now, in terms of product or players? Uh, players in terms of their their card prices okay. and where they go and sure. maybe give us a bit of insight you know about where you think it might go at the end of the season sure well um in terms of a uh but we'll, we'll start with the bus here and with uh I'll, I'll go with a rookie and a veteran of each and with awesome. rookies i don't I don't like to fully call a rookie a bus based off of one year because, you know, I like to give him to year three. If you haven't produced by year three, like uh, Mr. Cheeseburger, Kelvin Benjamin, you know, I mean, it's time <laughs> to go. But um, this year, if there was a rookie, I'd probably say, and this is going to surprise some, but Cortland Sutton. And it's not because of him. It's not because of his talent, because I think he's really, I think he's one of the best rookie wide receivers in this class. But it's the team that he's on and the wide receivers that were inexplicably placed ahead of him on the depth chart all year. Now, you know, now through injuries and some trades, he's finally going to get a chance to be that number one the the rest of the year. And so I'm hoping he can turn it around. But uh I, I, he was someone that I saw having the potential to really be one of those, like a Kamara from last year. And um, his prices just haven't reflected a lot of it because of uh, Case Keenum throwing the ball and um, where he's just people that have no business being ahead of him on the depth chart being ahead of him. Um, now, from a veteran aspect in terms of a bust, really going to go with a tie and it's going to be uh two people from the same team and that's dalvin cook and kirk cousins and kirk cousins it's just i i don't know he's been a mess he's got two of the best wide receivers in the league and just cannot put it together and i i just don't understand it and dalvin cook he just he just can't stay healthy when he's been healthy, he has been phenomenal. He's looked great. And I think if he puts together a 16-game season, 
finally, I think he's gonna gonna do wonders. But his card values are really showing from these injuries, and collectors are showing that they don't believe that he's gonna, you know, be able to do that. And so, Dalvin Cook and Kirk Cousins would definitely be my two veteran busts. Sorry, just before you answer the the, the second part, Drew, do you think that that Cousins going to improve now? Uh, today they've uh, uh, sacked the offensive uh, coordinator, Filippo. Do you think that's going to improve Cousins' season, or do you think he's just going to be a, well, basically a one-trick pony? Um, that's that's going to be something interesting to watch. I think I think it it can't hurt him <laughs> because he's he's really not playing well right now. But I will say a lot of the issues that I've watched with Minnesota have been scheme oriented, and so if they can get somebody in there that can play more to his strengths, because they have not been playing to the strengths that made Kirk Cousins what you know, that made him deserve this ridiculous contract that he got. And so I do think all of these guys that I've got here on the bust, I do think have 100% have the potential to be able to turn it around. Um, it's just right now, you know, right now I just see it as as a major disappointment. But, you know, Cousins does have a chance. And, you know, they've, they've still got that chance with that dang tie on their resume to sneak into the playoffs um, you know, if they finish the year strong. So, uh, you know, he's got, a, he's got a, ch- a shot to turn it around for sure. So then um, for, I guess, for uh, the biggest booms, the guys who are doing the best, I mean, in the hobby, I mean, for one, you can't go wrong on offense. We're going to go with veterans first here, Pat Mahomes. I mean, there's there's nobody, nobody could have really seen this coming from him. But what what he's been doing is phenomenal, in my opinion. And when I look at film and when I look at what he's doing, it's not I don't see it as, okay. it's because people don't have film on him. I see a guy that's got all the talent and all the skills and really is doing everything right. And, you know, I think Mahomes is just going to continue to be absolutely incredible. And on the on the rookie side, this was a tough one for me, but. On the rookie side, you know, I I mean, Saquon Barkley. You can't you can't really go wrong. I know these are probably the most unobvious the most obvious choices in the world, but uh Saquon Barkley's been absolutely phenomenal. I think he's one hundred percent the real deal in this league, and I think he's gonna be one of those legendary type running backs as soon as they finally move on from Eli Manning. So, uh, you know, I've got Mahomes and Barkley as my two guys who have been the biggest, uh, you know, hobby guys for me and surprises because I didn't see this coming from Mahomes whatsoever. And I was one of the people that thought Barkley was going to struggle quite a bit. And he's proven me wrong uh, week after week. Now, I will say a runner up on all this is my man in Carolina. I can't go through this whole podcast without mentioning my man run CMC in Carolina. Yeah. <laughs> Christian McCaffrey. Christian McCaffrey is a close runner up for me. If, uh, But I just can't deny what Mahomes is doing. Just touching on the Mahomes thing, with uh, Kareem Hunt being let go last week because the, the video came out about the domestic violence uh, and the assault he had on, on the go out there, have you been following his card prices? Have they absolutely bombed out or are they still holding at a reasonable level? Oh, yeah, no. I mean, Hunt, they, they initially bottomed out quite a bit, um, but I'm watching him and you know, I, I'm a firm believer. Cream Hunt's going to play again next year. I know it. It's it's going to happen, and I think 
you know, it, depending on your views on the situation and your morals and if you, you feel okay having a guy in your collection that, you know, has done something like that in the past, that's all for, you know, your own personal preference and all of that. But I think Kareem Hunt's cards absolutely are going to go back up one day. Um, people have very short memories these days, especially in a news cycle where we can just create really whatever we want and uh, just, you know, change the narrative whenever. And, um I see Kareem Hunt, um, you know, the card prices have dropped, but now they're they're kind of balancing off. And I think a lot of people, you're either seeing people, at least in the States, they're either dumping them for next to nothing or they're holding on to them and they're just saying, okay, I'll just stash them away and we'll see what happens. Because, I mean, let's be honest, they're not going to go, you know, I mean, what's the worst that could happen? You stash them away and they're selling for what they're selling for now. Best case scenario, he does end up getting, you know, to play again and, Let's let's face it. The dude's incredibly talented, and the cards will skyrocket back up, in my opinion. Um, he's going to be an interesting case study to watch because, you know, while the the word you know domestic violence, same as kind of like the Ray Rice issues and the Zeke stuff. You know, we've had all these, but his situation's a little bit different, and it's it's going to be a really interesting case study on values and fluctuation in the hobby. Um, it's going to be something that I'm going to be following for a while. And, you know, December 11th the next year, it's going to be really interesting to see uh, where they're at. So moving on, uh, moving on from the players then, Drew, um, something we've, we've got lined up for our episode, something we've got lined up for it. And we've asked, we've asked for opinions on Twitter and on Facebook and things from UK collectors and, and US collectors alike. If we were going to set up a Mount Rushmore of cards, and by that we mean sort of products, if you like, or if there is specific years, that's fine. That's fine as well. Um, if you were to create a Mount Rushmore with just four NFL card products, what would what would make your Mount Rushmore? Okay. Well, uh, starting off, and it has to have, I mean, it prominent front and center, Topps Chrome. You can pick any of the 20 years of Topps Chrome. I'm a Topps Chrome super collector. That that's my thing. I've been I've been building all 20 years of the Panthers refractor set. Topps Chrome is absolutely number one on my list, hands down. Um, from there, I'm gonna go with Optic. I think Optic for new products is going to be one of those that's going to stick around. And in terms of Panini, I think that's what in about five, seven years you're going to see is taking the mantle from Topps Chrome and ran with it. Um, you know, it, you know, a lot of people are split between Prism and Optic and stuff like that. But to me, you know, Optic's always got the on-card autographs. Rated rookies have always been, you know, for 30 plus years now have meant something and you know they're still tinkering with the process but i like optic as my number two and then so right there we've got two kind of lower end you know products so to speak so we'll end it up with uh some higher end stuff and uh, my third would be i mean you can't really go wrong flawless i mean the cards the cards are beautiful they're amazing um they do some great stuff with them they're nice i wish i could afford more of them <laughs> but um they're, be <laughs> they're beautiful cards and then my last my fourth and last one on the list if i had to narrow it down to four would be uh kind of a new product in their catalog and maybe a surprise to some but it's just it's one of my favorite products aesthetic wise and that's impeccable football 
I love the canvas look of it, the the dual relic autos that incorporate, you know, the jersey with either the helmet or the glove, you know, and just on that beautiful canvas finish, lots of on-card stuff. Impeccable's always been something that, to me, to me, it's one of those products that just, it looks like 20 years down the line, it's a card that's going to stand the test of time design-wise. And so uh, those would probably be my four. I think three of the four have, have come, up, quote, come up quite regularly. It's interesting to hear what you said about Optic, um, a conversation we had on our last show when we were talking about Optic and Prism, and we were saying the same thing that you've just said, Prism's always been seen as a sort of higher product over, over Optic, but it seems that that gap's narrowing now, um, and potentially Optic's going to overtake Prism this year. Um, so it's interesting to hear you put that in, definitely. Absolutely. No, I, and, and, you know, I'm a fan of both of them. And, you know, to me, I always look at it as on cart, on cart autos on a chromium product to me are, you know, it's essential if it's going to be, you know, one of the, the standard bears, so to speak. And optic with me, I mean, you know, Prism had the head start. Prism's been an established name and people have known about it. And optic, you know, just kind of came out of nowhere once they got that exclusive license. But to me, um, you know, optic, just like Topps Chrome, is a chromium version of the Donruss line. You know, it's got a lot of parallels and a lot of similarities with that. Then you go into more of a, a bordered look design. And then you go into the on-card autographs. It, it just looks like something that, you know, it's gonna, it always takes collectors a little while to get into it, you know, and to really accept something. But, you know, Donner's uh, optic is far from perfect, but I think they're doing a lot of great stuff with it. And, you know, just like I was just saying, I think in the next couple of years, you really are going to see it take over the... Uh, the hype of prism in football uh, now i don't think optic basketball ever overtakes prism basketball and that has a lot to do with cycling back to the first thing we talked about the international market because it when it comes to basketball especially the chinese market um the hong kong market they are dead set on silver prisms and i don't see that changing um but uh yeah i definitely think, think optic if we're looking at products from panini that are gonna you know really start to cement themselves as a big product in you know panini's catalog year after year i could easily see optic being that product the next couple of years follow-on question to something you've just said there so that the, the basketball um product is is massive in in the, the asian marketplace if you like is do they have access to the product as in like, can they buy them in, the, in their stores or is it is it still similar to us with football it's not isn't it's just sold in america and that's where that's where they have to pick it up from i mean you might you might not know but um now i do know i do know for a fact that some some people over there uh in the asian market do have connections with distributors and are able to get some stuff um i know a couple of people that personally can um but i don't know how much of it is sold in stores but i do know that this year I mean, uh, Panini's well aware of how big that market is because Panini just announced a couple of days ago that they've actually got an Asian exclusive prism box with exclusive parallels and everything coming out. So um, that's actually going to be interesting to see how that affects how they view the silvers and the the stuff from the quote unquote American, you know, release as opposed to theirs. Um so, you know, Panini's definitely paying attention to it and uh 
and you know they're making some changes to it but i'm not sure exactly how readily available it is to them in box form but i know that uh if it wasn't before they're about to get their own pretty much their own version of prism with a whole bunch of really cool colors that i uh, just aren't seen in um any of the stateside stuff how do you go about sourcing your uh your cards do you get involved in breaks or is it just ebay or card fairs um i'm a little bit of a little bit of everything i i'm very big on the social media groups the facebook groups um i do a lot of trading and a lot of collecting um i run a couple of rooms on facebook that that have some incredible collectors in there um I love to bust packs. I mostly bust packs with my son. He's almost four, and he's he's really, really big into cards. Um, he loves doing it with Dad. So a lot of the pack busting is done with him. Um, I do jump in quite a bit of uh, breaks when I can, um, but uh, I, I really focus on, you know, I don't have a ton of disposable income for the hobby, so a lot of mine is spent on getting the singles and stuff that, uh, you know, I want to complete my collections and, you know, mix that in with some uh, ripping some wax with the little one just for some fun and, you know, hopefully some hits come from it. Yeah, really enjoyed the join the show as we said, and you listen to you guys from the uh, national. You, you guys go into the, the national next year. You you had a you were a, a booth then, weren't you this year? Uh, yes, we were uh, part of the Wax Pack Nation booth um, last year. Last year at the national, and we were on the main stage for the podcasters roundtable. And uh, all signs point to us being at the national um, again this year. And uh, just wanted to let everybody know while I was um, on the show. Uh, in addition to, let me get that podograph. Um, I don't know if this will be going on at the National as well, but um, myself and Steve Grad. I don't know if you guys are familiar with Steve. He's uh, from Pawn Stars fame, and he runs Beckett Authentication Services. Um, myself and Steve Grad are actually launching a brand new web show. It's going to be a live video show in January. Um, it's going to be myself and Steve uh, talking the hobby, and we're also going to have a Q and a section where people can, you know, write in and ask Steve some questions. And, uh, so we've got that going on as well. So hopefully, um, hopefully let me get that potograph and the hobby show with Drew and Steve. Hopefully both of those will be a uh, president at the national next year. Yeah, that's cool. I'm definitely going to be there and Dan's going to try and get there. Uh, so there'll be one of us, maybe two of us over for the uh, national next year. So we'll definitely meet up and uh, have a chat in person. Oh, awesome. Can't wait for it, guys. And uh, we got to have you guys on. Let me get that photograph here soon. Yeah, that'd be great as well. Awesome. Well, thank you guys so much. Cheers, Drew. That's brilliant. And give, like much, say, give us give our best to Stu, yeah? I absolutely will. Thank you guys so much. Time to be able to ask Dan one hobby-related question, which Dan Hewitt will answer, and then one wildcard question, which the group will uh, all chip in on. Hobby question time, Dan. Uh, what is the difference between retail and hobby packs? Right. Purely, um, not a great deal. Basically, um, you've got your sort of scales of, of where you can get into the hobby. As, as we've discussed on this podcast, there's something for everybody in the hobby price-wise and, and whatever else. So the bigger sets, such as contenders um, and, and products like that, that are possibly quite expensive to buy a hobby box for, they release um, retail 
products of them that are cheaper, blaster boxes and then sort of larger retail boxes that are sort of $40. Um, but what you are getting is is the, the lower end of that product. As a sort of kickback, they're, they're going to put in parallels that are specific to the retail products that you can't get in hobby boxes, um, which makes... I suppose collectors go out and, and spend the money on the retail as well because that's that's the chase for the rainbow collectors and, and everything else. Um, but if you're going to get a base card out of a blaster box, that's the, which is the cheapest option, you can pick them up, um, different products, you can pick them up for like $15, 15 quid UK money. Um, if you're going to get a base card out of one of them and a base card out of the $100, $120 hobby box, they are going to look exactly the same. So it, really, it's it's where you want to... Where, you, where your price point is, where you want to get into the get into the hobby, if you like. Um, retail, obviously, as well, aren't sold. You can't buy them in hobby shops. You can't buy them this year from any of the big distributors. Previous years, the distributors have got hold of um, blaster boxes and retail boxes, but this year they've been sort of kept away from them, which has affected me for, for one set I collect. Um, so you can only get them in your retail locations. You can only get them in Target, Walmart, that that's where they were designed to be sold, and I think they've they've clamped down a little bit on that. That's literally the only places they're being sold now. Um, so yeah, there we go. That's answered that question quite thoroughly and well. Move on to the wild card question, and with it being the festive time of year, gentlemen, what is your favourite Christmas movie? Uh, let's start with Ryan. Well, um, I'm just going to ruin this anyway because I already know what Dan's is and Dan's absolutely right. There is only one number one and that is Santa Claus the movie. 100% that goes for me as well. Okay, I think the only Christmassy film as such, uh, being being the, the, the old man in the group, I'm going to go back and go with... Uh, uh, it was on Christmas time. Is uh, It's a Wonderful Life. You can't beat a bit of the old school stuff. <laughs> maybe for some reason I've mellowed in my opinion of the last few weeks but I can't work out why that is or go get, your, go get your slippers granddad <laughs> yeah, go, go, go and get me slippers you do, you do know we have colour TVs now yeah yeah you've even got the talkie films as well I like going to the talkies and stuff like that can't, can't be a Harold Lloyd film can you them the days hanging off the old clock going up and down the railway track no, no, you can't beat a bit of old school black and white films when it comes to Christmas time. So, and I'm not that much older than you two, and I've got more hair than both of you buggers <laughs> put together. So, so that is all good. Right, we had a competition in the last episode. Uh, the question was to win some packs and a mug, which will be dispatched uh, when I return to Blight in a few days' time. Uh, the question was how many uh, OBJ cards does Dan Hewitt have in his collection? Dan, can you reveal how many you have and who is the winner of this illustrious prize? I can. Um, the number is 107, and the winner is Angus Spears. Angus Spears. Uh, excellent stuff. Angus, the prize will be on its way to you now. Uh, not now, obviously, when I get back, so it'll be pretty expensive posting from here. <laughs> and I've got some packs. You asked me to get some packs for your kids when I was out here. I've got them sorted. They'll be in the post you as well, probably after Christmas now, because I, uh, I won't be back till. Uh, Christmas Eve, in fact, so job done. Right, last weekend, the uh, the, the podcast bowl happened, first time that this season, where two of our teams clashed on the pitch. It was uh, Ryan's Titans played against Dan's Giants. A uh, couple of hours before the game, Dan came on and 
said that uh, we should possibly there should possibly be something wagered on this game. As the independent arbitrator for the Borough of Ealing, I came up with a forfeit, which which Dan agreed to, and then Ryan, having looked at the injury report, also agreed to. <laughs> uh, the forfeit for the loser was to, oh, unfortunately for you people, is <laughs> the loser, and it happened to be the Giants, who were shut out 17 to zip. Uh, the loser had to sing the Ali Jones version of uh, Walking in the Air from the Snowman. So, without further ado, uh, just to prove that Stoke has got talent, but it's probably not from Dan Hewitt's household. Dan, would you like to close the Christmas show with Walking in the Air? Uh, not particularly, but yeah, I'm going to. Uh, <laughs> and I apologise for oh, all this before oh, I do God. this. Cause... I've been waiting for this for four days now. Come on, <laughs> make it happen. This, this is going to be terrible before I start, and I, I do offer me apologies. But there you go, I got myself into this, so I can't really complain. That's been Waxpack Lyrical, episode seven. Have a good one, gents. We'll see you all in 2019. We're walking in the air. We're floating in the moonlit sky. The people far below are sleeping as we fly. I'm holding very tight, I'm riding in the midnight blue, I'm finding I can fly so high above with you. Far across the world, the villages go by like dreams, the rivers and the hills, the forests and the streams.